Guardian Unlimited. Guardian Unlimited. The Rugby World Cup Show. Sponsored by Magnus. Time to play. Go to magnuscider.com. Well, hello. Welcome once again to uh, our bi-weekly Rugby World Cup show with me, Ian Payne, and uh, varied guests as we look forward to the quarterfinals of the World Cup as we get to the real business end of this World Cup. Uh, England facing their old foes, Australia. Will this be the Wallabies' revenge for 2003? But, of course, England beat them in South Africa, so it could be revenge for them as well. The All Blacks meet the hosts, France, in Wales. Not what the organisers wanted. Surprise quarterfinalists, Fiji, face the Springboks and Scotland, the home nation's team in the tournament so far, up against the master tacticians, Argentina. If you want to get in touch, loads to talk about. Your views always welcome. We've had loads and loads of blogs throughout the few, last few weeks, and we really appreciate it because it makes the, uh, the whole job worthwhile and gets the stimulated conversation going. Blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport is the uh, address you want to get to. Let's uh, introduce our guests. They are today Ian Pryor, who's a regular on this, the Deputy Sports Editor of The uh, Guardian. You all right, Ian? I'm pretty well. Good man. Paul Rees, who's a rugby writer at The Guardian, who joins us on the phone from France. How are you, Paul? Very good, thanks, Ian. And Sean Edwards, uh, head coach of London Wasps and, of course, been involved with Rugby League and Rugby Union for many, many years. How are you, Sean? Fine, thank you. Sean, let's start with you. It's a slightly revamped England side. Have you been... Surprised, or was the performance of England at this World Cup much as you expected? Oh, I actually thought it would have been a lot closer against South Africa, let's be honest. I mean, who would have expected a, such a landslide victory for the South Africans? But um, I think England's form's improved since that game. I mean, that too. And going forward, I mean, this is obviously the crunch match. And I think if there's any of the um, Southern, Southern Hemisphere teams we, we have a chance of beating, it would probably be Australia. What do you make of these comments? Let me just read out what Australia's senior coach Alex Evans has been saying. You wouldn't think the Australians would be uh, particularly pumped up and cocky, but surprise, surprise, they are. If the Wallabies play rugby, he says, they will beat England by 30 points. They have to keep the ball in hand and work the phases. The English backs are poor in defence, and if we run their forwards around, we'll smash them. Our fitness and ability with the ball is far superior. Do you agree with all that, Sean? Well, obviously, I'm I'm going to say no, I don't agree with it, but, um, you know, on the on the uh, evidence of the game against South Africa, you know we we can't really say too much at the moment. The actions speak much louder than words. There's no doubt that we're going to target the forwards. Um, that's the strength of English rugby as in the forwards as it probably always has been. The reason we won the last World Cup is because we had by far the best pack in the World Cup, and uh, we basically smashed the opposition uh, around the park, including the Australians in the final. You'd have to say that Southern Hemisphere teams have taken on board by bringing all the, a lot of their coaches. You know, you coach New Zealand and also you coach Australia. I've all been to the Northern Hemisphere. The things that they've learned from the Northern Hemisphere, they've took it back and added to what's already good in the Southern Hemisphere. And uh, at the moment, you have to say that they, uh, they're providing a superior brand of rugby to what we are. But in the end, you know, if we can turn it on for 80 minutes, you know, all that will be turned on its head. Paul Rees is with us, rugby writer at The Guardian, proud Welshman. Uh, no Wales to support, but when you look at England against Australia, do you see only one winner in Australia, as everyone seems to be predicting, Paul? Um, if, if you were looking at it from a pure rugby sense, you would hope there would only be one winner, and that's Australia. But no, I mean, England, with their, with their ability in the, uh, in the tight five, scrums, line-outs very good, driving malls, dogged back row... I would say they've got a one-in-five chance of winning this game and that they've got to play it on their own terms, limited game plan. They've got to be strong in defence, 
deny Australia the opportunity to run at them, and that means their kicking game has got to be precise. Wales in Cardiff, the first two tries in the opening 20 minutes, they, they handed to Australia one missed kick to touch, one turnover in their 25, bang, they paid for England. Cannot afford to do that, just as France cannot afford to do it against New Zealand. They both picked defensive teams, in my view, and that is, you know, they're saying, well, we can't take them on in an open game of rugby. There's only one way we're going to win this, and that is through control, through playing for field position, and through not making mistakes. And I think it's a massive indictment of the game in the Northern Hemisphere, certainly over the last four years, that your two top countries, France and England, are reduced to this. Mm. Whereas New Zealand, South Africa and Australia, they've all added to their game since 2003. And I think that's the difference between the hemispheres. When things go wrong in, in the North, you tend to rip it up and start it again. Whereas New Zealand are playing pretty much as they did four years ago, but they've just added a bit, certainly in the scrum. Much, much more aggressive there now. And, and you look at Australia on Saturday, their outside half is a 21-year-old called Berwick Barnes. England had the chance to, to, to bring Toby Flood to this World Cup. All right, he's come on as a replacement, but he's not involved. And Shane Geraghty, and they didn't. They don't, they don't aim high enough, in my view. They're aiming low. If you aim high and miss, you can still succeed. If you aim low and miss, you've had it. France and England, to me, aiming too low, and, and in a rugby sense, they both deserve to, uh, to be sent packing on Saturday. Would you say, Sean, that Andy Farrell has been unfairly criticised in his England career, or has it been fair? I think um, any, any individual is, is criticising it in what is a, a, probably you know, one of the most team-orientated sports in the world. You know, to criticise one player is absolutely ridiculous, in my, in my view. Obviously, it was a big money signing from Rugby League, and uh, you know, because of the success that Jason had and Lottie Takiri, etc., you know, in the end, you know, Jason Robinson scored, scored the try to win England the World Cup. How many players can do that? I mean, there's only one player ever done that from the Northern Hemisphere in the history of the World Cup, and that's Jason Robinson. So to expect Andy Farrell to be as a sensation as Jason was was probably asking a little bit too much. Is it, is it a gamble to play Robinson after his injury? No, you have to play him because he's, um, he's such an outstanding player. I mean, if he gets injured, if he comes off, I'm sure he's had a, a stringent fitness test. And um, as I said, you know, he's a world-class player, so you, you've got to go with Jason. Uh, this is what our bloggers have saying. If you want to join in, you can blog us, blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. Here's some random ones. Uh, Auli Ross from Leicester. The selection makes me slightly mad, he says. Not Farrell, but Regan and Vickery in for Tutor and for Stevens, who've given the forwards more mobility, speed and aggression, or aggressiveness, as he says, in the matches that they've played. We'll go back to losing every single blooming breakdown because of these guys. Experienced as they are, they're too slow. They're also offering nothing in the way of dynamism out in the open. On a positive note, it's great to see Robinson back in. Paul, what do you make of the forward selections then? Yeah, I mean, I think that blogger's got a fair point because if you look at um, you know, probably the most successful team so far, Argentina, I mean, in terms of, of ambition, um, they're not much further down the road than England. But what they do do is contest the breakdown extremely well. Their set pieces probably haven't gone as well as they'd, they'd hoped this tournament, but because they're so competitive at the breakdown, they're able to force turnovers, as you saw in the opening match against France, and put teams under pressure. And I think... You know, the weather in Marseille at the moment is slightly overcast, but it's still 24, 25 degrees. The forecast for Saturday is up to 26 degrees, chance of some heavy showers. So it's going to be warm, and you've got a lot of 30-plus um, legs going to be on the, on, on the field for England. One difference, I think, with France in Cardiff against New Zealand is that they do have a bench where if they're in the game after 60 minutes, Laporte can bring a load of guys on and up the pace of the game. I'm not sure... England are in the same boat. They need to dictate the pace of that game from the start, and it's got to be slow, 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 slow. <laughs> okay. 
So very quick prediction on that game, first of all. Ian Pryor, who's going to win, Australia or England? You've got to say Australia at this point. I mean, the way they've set up their team suits them, the, as Paul said, the, the conditions will suit them overwhelmingly. England, have, I think, have, have gone... They've almost picked a team to play the Australia team of four years ago. They, they, they've taken a big gamble that they can slow the ball down, that they can, that they can crush them in the pack. They've, they've got a very, very heavy-duty-looking front five there. And they've gone for the gamble that, that Australia will be sucked into that type of game. I think largely Australia have learned their lesson on that since the last World Cup. OK, very quick answers from, from the other two. Sean, who's going to win? Well, unfortunately, I'd have to. You'd have to. If it was betting, betting a scratch match. You'd have to go with Australia because of their form going into it. But like, I'm just hoping, they're praying for rain. And I hope all the England people are doing the rain dance. It was raining in the World Cup final, and we always seem to beat Australia when it rains. So let's let's hope it absolutely pours down tomorrow night. And uh, Paul, if it's a wet Sunday night in Paris, you might see England have a 50-50, but Australia are, are the bolder side, and and as a neutral. I would hope they'd win. OK, right. That's uh, the game on Saturday at 2pm. Saturday evening, 8 o'clock, All Blacks against France. Ian Pryor, what do you make about this matchup? Well, it's the it's game nobody at the World Cup wanted, particularly in Cardiff, you know, and particularly at this stage. But they all wanted it. They just wanted it and in the final they, they, they in just, Paris. They just wanted it in a, yeah, exactly. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. Argentina have really messed that up for them. I don't think either team will be particularly comfortable in Cardiff. I mean, but they, they, I mean obviously, the All Blacks will much rather play there there than in Marseille. Um, but the one thing you do think is that New Zealand have had a very easy run thus far, and I don't think it's something that suits them. They haven't had really one com- properly competitive game yet. And in the last game, I think they were just sh- starting to sh- show signs of that, S- just a slight bit of mid-tournament rust, which is a very dangerous thing for a team to accumulate. But um, yeah, you, you've still really got to fancy them. They, no one's close to getting on top of them yet. And I think France, outside their home country, they're not good travellers at the best of times. It's very hard to see them having enough. Are New Zealand slightly cocky? This is from uh, today's New Zealand Herald newspaper. Thank goodness for the great World Cup jersey fiasco this week. Apart from recalling what the dastardly French did in 1999 when they cheated the All Blacks out of their birthright by playing a spell of blindingly brilliant rugby, it's been difficult to get overly concerned about Sunday's quarterfinal in Cardiff. So an apparel conspiracy and a delayed coin toss to decide who wears the alternate strip has stepped in to fill the build-up breach. Not that it matters, because the All Blacks could play in sackcloths and they'd still stomp all over France. Paul, do you agree with that? Well, that was a guy who, um, I think last year, called uh, Wales the village idiots of, of rugby. I mean, I think he just writes for effect. It's uh, No, I mean, it's, it's um, France will be, um, as Ian said, that will be New Zealand's considerably biggest challenge yet, and it's, it's far from a foregone conclusion. I think you'll have a good idea in the first 20 minutes because the All Blacks will look to come out uh, in a rush and pose themselves on the game and, and take a hefty lead. France have got to be, have got to be in it with, with 20 minutes to go. And, you know, I think since 2002, the tri-count in this series of matches between the sides is 37-6 in favour of New Zealand. And Laporte hasn't picked a team to take him on and, and, and score tries. He's picked a team to contain, defend. And you know against the All Blacks, the most important thing is not to make mistakes, is not to get turned over, because that's where they score the bulk of their tries. It's a big, big ask for France. Again, because, because they're aiming low. And from, you know, from a neutral perspective, I, I hope they lose. What do you think, Sean, having looked at the All Blacks for many years now and the way that they've, they've peaked this year rather than maybe peaked a year or two earlier, what do you think is the best way of actually beating them? Do they have any weak spots? Well, the, the way that the, um, the Springboks have beaten them over the last three years has been challenging very heavily at line-out time, you know, cutting out the supply of ball, trying to make as many set pieces as possible. 
so it's not a loose kind of game. And obviously having a very aggressive up-in-your-face defence, and um, that's how the Springboks have beat them over the last few years. Um, Australia beat them recently with uh, trying to target actually the number 13, which has been a problem position for New Zealand over the years. But if you look at the All Blacks, people are talking about how you know the, the magnificent rugby they've played, etc., which is obviously quite evident. The thing about you, if you look at the body shapes of the All Blacks in this World Cup compared to the last World Cup, you know, people talking about England being gym monkeys and they should get out of the gym, etc. It's absolute. You know, it's clearly evident that the All Blacks have been battering the weights in the last three years, and the size and power of the players is far greater than it was four years ago. Are they a different shape though to the Northern Hemisphere players, or not? I think. Well, I'd like to answer it by saying that I think England in the last World Cup were the best conditioned team there, and they were the biggest, most powerfulest, and also had the nastiest, most horrible pack, and that's why they won it. Besides, you know. You know, an excellent defence at the time. I think they hardly let any tries in. I think one try in the World Cup final from a kick. But there's no denying that New Zealanders, Australians, you know, they're probably slightly more natural ball handling players than the Northern Hemisphere players at the moment. Whether that's to do with the fact that you know they, they grow up with a with a ball in their hands and they play a lot of touch rugby over there, whereas a lot of kids over here play play football when they when they're young. But in the end, once you've had the the solidity by taking these coaches back from the Northern Hemisphere, who obviously worked on the scrum, they worked on the line, and the competitiveness at the breakdowns, you add that to the flair and the skill of the backs that they already have down there, and you've got a real potent weapon then. Right, OK, very quick prediction from all of us uh, on, well, not me, but who they think is going to win that game. Paul, quickly? The All Blacks. All Blacks. Sean? All Blacks. Yeah, Ian? can't argue. Can't argue with that. OK. By the way, your game, Wasps, the Wasps game, has it been moved to Friday? Is that for TV scheduling reasons or because you want to watch the game on Saturday? <laughs> uh, no, I think it's a sale. They always play on Friday night. Oh, okay. and, um, um, th- this is a bit of advantage playing Friday. And let's be honest, it is. You know, it's, um, it's quite difficult tra- travelling up there on the day, etc. So um, we're playing on Friday and uh, hopefully we can sit down having finally won a game this year and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> watch the England game. I wasn't going to mention it, but anyway, seeing as you're miles away, I will. I, I have to say, from a personal point of view, one of the great joys of this Rugby World Cup has been the emergence of some of the nations, the, the so-called minnows. And although Argentina have never really been a minnow, they've never really been in the top echelon of rugby union. But suddenly they are, beating teams like France, beating teams like Ireland. And I can tell you exactly how impressive um, a reaction there has been back home in Argentina. Listen to this. The unthinkable is happening in Buenos Aires this Sunday. The football match of football matches in club football in Argentina, River Plate against Boca Juniors, one of football's iconic derby games, is actually being brought forward two hours so that people can watch the Rugby Union International between Argentina and Scotland. It's, a ma- it's magnificent. It's, it's an extraordinary thing. I, I remember visiting Buenos Aires a few years ago when, when there was a, kind of a River Bucket game on and you'd have thought nothing short of nuclear war would have it's stopped a, it's it. It's an amazing experience, it's isn't a, it, apparently? It's, it's, it's an incredible football match. It's quite terrifying in parts, but just electrifying as well. But rugby is bigger than football. It's an amateur game in Argentina. What is happening? It's not. It's not. It's it's not bigger than football. But but you know, it's, it's World Cups come around once every four years, and countries do get obsessed when they when they do well. You know, when Italy first came into this, to the Five Nations and won their opening game for a brief week, everyone in Italy talked about rugby. You know, and it's, it, it's kind of the same in Argentina. I mean, they, you know, they have been getting bigger, stronger, and better, and and the game in Argentina certainly has in the last few years. Um, we went loopy about curling, didn't we, a few years ago? Yeah, for about ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll uh, sobered up again back to our senses. Okay, nice bit of sweeping. <laughs> Paul, what have you made of Argentina? Have you been surprised? I mean, you're a, you study the game as closely as anyone. Have you been surprised by how good they are? No, no, not a, not at all. Because I mean, they were in, they've been in the top six of the world rankings now for some time, and you know they showed a twick in them, their ability to to absorb pressure, and then and, and then. They scored a breakaway try, but accumulate points. You know, visit the 25, pick up three points, whether it's a penalty, whether it's a drop goal, keep keep it ticking. And they're very good at putting putting pressure on opponents. And I'm, I expected France to beat them in the, in the opening game. But you look back to the start of 2003 when they faced Australia in Sydney, and they were really denied them by that night by a referee who would not allow them to scrummage and press home a clear advantage they had there. And, you know, had they been allowed to do that, I wouldn't would not have been surprising if they'd overturned Australia then. And, and they pushed Ireland to within a point in, in Adelaide later in the group. So they'd be knocking, knocking at the door for some time. Very well coached. But what they've got now is, is more variety behind. I mean, Hernandez, Corletto, some very, very, very good players. And so they, before, they've always been forward, scrum, line-out, breakdown. But now they've got that extra little bit behind. And, and they are a very, very good rugby team. You know, in fairness to Scotland with, and, and to Frank Haddon, I mean, he's making the most of very limited resources. And, and, you know, we've gone about England and the lack of ambition. Well, Scotland haven't shown an awful lot. But in fairness, it could be a very, very interesting tactical battle on, uh, on Sunday. Absolutely. Now, the man who's actually Argentina's director of rugby is a man well known to English rugby, the former Leicester and England fly half, Les Cusworth. This is what he's had to say about Argentina improving themselves, because most of their um, players are based in Europe, a lot in France particularly, because everyone's been saying it's very unfair that the Tri-Nations, the Southern Hemisphere teams, don't allow them into the Tri-Nations competition. But actually, Les Cutsworth says, ideally, we would like to be in the Six Nations in the Northern Hemisphere. He says, we could base ourselves in Barcelona, Valencia or Madrid. We have no professionals based in the Southern Hemisphere. That would be a problem. Sean, do you think that's what will happen eventually? Will they be allowed in like Italy were? Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, being a coach and not an administrator, um, <laughs> I, th- I, th- I do think you know th- this. This World Cup has obviously come even more to prominence, even though they've been a good team for a long time, and uh, they have added that flair be- be- behind the pack, which has obviously been very dominant over a number of years. And they've got. I mean, this this guy Hernandez. I mean, what a player! He, if he's not going to be challenging for the best player in the world um, very very soon, if not straight after this World Cup, I don't know who is. But the thing about the um, about the Argentinians is the competitiveness at the breakdown and it's something which I think is really hurting the Northern Hemisphere teams in particular the English teams in that in the English Premiership because we're trying to make the game more free-flowing and um, actually you know quicker etc um, we've almost gone to non-competitive breakdowns it's something which was a pro- prominent down in the Southern Hemisphere six seven years ago you know these coaches have gone back from the Northern Hemisphere in the last three or four years and they've concentrated on probably three areas. One is the defence, one is the scrum, another one is competing at the it, breakdowns. And the referees allowing, are allowing people to get away with a lot more at the breakdowns. A lot, a lot of our bloggers have asked questions about the breakdown and about the rucking and mauling and saying that they just noticed that in the Guinness Premiership, and you'll be interested in this, Sean, and a lot of the Northern Hemisphere rugby, particularly the home nation, it's so slow compared to the breakdown and, and, the, and the clearing out of the rucks and mauls by... For, for, me, for me, this has been the common theme in all the minnows that has done well in this World Cup. If you look at Georgia against Ireland, if you look at Argentina against France and Ireland, uh, if you look at Fiji and Tonga, they've all surprised teams at the breakdown just by the level of aggression is their willingness to get right in there, clear out ball, turnover ball. Um, and, you know, it, it's as if the Northern Hemisphere has been walking around with its eyes closed for four years. It, it, no, nobody saw this 
quite coming and, and Sean's right that that's the way they've been playing in domestic leagues mm. the, the Heineken Cup isn't much better in that regard mm. um, well, I disagree with that I think the, see I'm a defensive coach obviously I, the man my priority lost his defence mm-hmm. and I coach totally different in the Heineken Cup at the breakdown than I do in the Guinness Premiership because even Warren Gatland who went back to New Zealand and won a New Zealand Championship with the same systems he, he, he um, implied here at Wasp you know, we used to have a saying at Wasp, you know, one goal at the ball, then hands off and drop into defensive formation. But when he went back to, to New Zealand, he was employing the same tactics and they were getting absolutely mullered at the breakdown. So he said, they changed their thing. They said they'll have one goal, then they'll have two goals, then they maybe have another goal, and then they'll drop into defensive formation because the referees allow you to compete much more heavily for the ball and from a defensive aspect in the Southern Hemisphere than they do in the Guinness Premiership. So are we getting it wrong in the Guinness Premiership? Yeah, actually, I think we need to take a step backwards to go forwards. The game, actually, you you have to allow people to compete heavily at the breakdown, which will actually slow the game up a little bit for a while. Mm. Then hopefully, because the standard of our rooking will improve, because it will be harder to clear the ball, when it goes to international level, you know, guys will hopefully in 12, maybe 18 months' time, We'll get back to the standard of work. You know, even Martin Johnson came out and said that we need to start allow people to compete more heavily at the breakdown because it's hurting the international. But, team. I mean, this this has been evident for a long time, Sean. Because I, I remember doing a piece in the early rounds of the Anglo-Welsh tournament last season, where when English teams came to Wales, they Absolutely. were they were struggling at breakdown because Welsh referees were were allowing teams to have two or three bites yeah. at it. I mean, you you went down to Cardiff Blues, didn't you? Yeah, Mark, we got Mark, we got we got slaughtered exactly because we were aggressive enough. Exactly, exactly, I couldn't agree more. Exactly, and you look at the way Wales play their style, and they they you know getting turnovers attacking then with turnover ball and attacking very effectively, used to playing with their heads up. And I remember Northampton going to the Dragons last year in the Anglo-Welsh. They want some turnover ball. They didn't have a clue what to do with it. And they would, even though they were up against disorganised offence, they just hoofed it away aim- aimlessly. And I think you're absolutely right. And I've been banging on about this for some while. They need to change the mindset of the referees in the Premiership to encourage a far greater contest for possession at the breakdown. Because at the moment, the only chance... That a, that a team taking the ball in has got to given away a penalty is if the ball carrier is isolated quickly and he holds on. Yeah, yeah. I suspect a lot of coaches will probably get together, won't they, and, and, and discuss what, what has been learned. Well, I mean, the, R, the RFU has already said that it is going to have, uh, it's going to you know, call a meeting of referees and coaches and try and sort out this area, especially the breakdown, right. to, to get quicker ball and a more attacking, more fluid game in the Premiership. Listen, yeah. listen boys, who's going to win? Quick word, word answer from uh, Argentina against Scotland. Sean? Well, you'd have to go with Argentina, but I think Scotland will, will maybe um, be, you know, pushing quite close. Ian, um, you've got to agree. You'd, you'd give it to Argentina, but I, I think it's going to be a little bit closer than you might expect from Scotland. Um, Argentina have a lot of big games now. Their, their last fixture was a huge one against Ireland. I think you know they've they've had a lot more hard work to do so far in this tournament than, than Scotland. That might show a bit. Now, Paul, I'll just come to you finally for your uh, prediction on Argentina Scotland before we move on to the last quarter final for obvious reasons. If there's going to be an upset and. Um <laughs> and I've said is Scotland beating a, a, a sort of non-foundation union um, says, says a lot about this tournament if there's going to be an upset on the weekend I can I think Scotland will as I say very well coached under Haddon tactically astute uh, it will be it will be that game you'd expect Argentina to win but I think it'll be very very close Guardian Unlimited the Rugby World Cup show sponsored by Magnus Okay, which brings us to, and I'll start with you, Paul, Fiji against South Africa. You've recovered from the shock loss to Fiji, have you? 
Well, I don't know if it was a shock loss. I mean, oh. you, you were going on about Alec Evans predicting a 30-point win over um, England on Saturday. Alec Evans also predicted last week that Fiji would do Wales. So uh, I wouldn't take his words too lightly. No, I don't think anyone is. I, um, You're English. No, I, I mean, I don't... I, I mean, yes, I mean, you expected Wales to do it. It was just uh, it was just an incredible game of rugby, wasn't it? And, but uh, but how can Fiji beat South Africa? Because on form, there's a huge gulf, isn't there? Well, how can Fiji beat South Africa? The first high baller goes up, get the tallest player, get him to jump about 30 feet in the ground and wait for Schalkberger to smack him and hope that the referee sends him off and you're playing 14 men. That's probably their, their best. But I think, I think South Africa, I, I mean, Fiji haven't got any set pieces. They're, they're awful in the scrum. Wales murdered them but didn't didn't exploit that. Uh, line up, Fiji line went better against Wales than they had in other matches. But it's it's broken play. Interestingly, South Africa played it quite loose against the United States on, on Sunday. They got punished. The United States scored two very good tries. And they, they have conceded tries this tournament, South Africa. Normally, they're you know, very, very defensive-minded. With Eddie Jones there, they're now there's more emphasis on creativity. This could be a crazy 60-30 game um, with, with Fiji getting some turnover tries. But I, I, I can't even get anywhere close to, to what is a, a pretty good Springbok side. Uh, delighted to say, because we have guests... Coming in, leaving, in and out. It's just one of those fluid feasts. Delighted to say we have our resident Kiwi, Jed, who's the alternative commentator yes. who's joined Kiora. us. I'm sorry I split my trousers. <laughs> how, how heavy are you? Uh, well, bloody heavier than you, mate. What oh, you no, I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to give a, a, the, 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 uh, what, the what, listeners... What size are your trousers? Quite a few people ask me this question, mate. I can't work it out if you say I pounds, mate. If I split my trousers, people go, well, what's he on about? What's the relevance of that? But you used to be a very good player yourself. Thank you. You are now still a big lad. Thank you. Very big lad. <clears throat> Don't forget uh, it. And so Careful when I'm talking you about here, splitting your trousers, <laughs> I'm talking. I'm trying to give the, the, the listener a, a view. I would like to think I'm a very robust yeah. 160 kilograms. What's that, about 20 stone? It's like th- over 320 pounds. Right, so it's quite a lot. Yeah. Okay. So you split your trousers. Yeah, plenty's come in the room since you've been here now. And you've managed you've managed to find some new ones, have you? Or <laughs> you've got a needle and thread? Yeah, well, there's, let's just say there's a poor guy that... Uh, <laughs> Well, he's still got no teeth. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, our panel, let me reintroduce them. It gives me an apposite time to do it. It's uh, myself, Ian Payne, Ian Pryor, Deputy Sports Editor of The Guardian, Jed, who you've just been introduced to, uh, Paul Rees, who's in France as rugby writer at The Guardian, and Sean Edwards, who's the head coach of London Wasps. Jed, we were just talking about the fourth quarter final, Fiji against South Africa. Do you, right give, do you give Fiji any chance? No, not at all. Why not? Well, they've had their one, but that's it. They, they played their trump. Uh, against I don't know Wales just completely blew it, totally blew it. Head went out the window. Only Welsh, only the Welsh can win a game and then lose it again. As far as I can tell, unbelievable. And Fiji were just lucky to be the other team. So South Africa with their first team heads on, they won't do a, a similar performance as they did against Tonga. Well, it's, be... not, it's not a great shape up for the semi-finals for South Africa, but that's what they got to deal with, you know. Mm. And how have you been impressed by the All Blacks? Because we've uh, we've missed your input on on the All Blacks. Oh so yeah, far. well, the, look, the New Zealand Herald uh, thinks it's a walkover. Well, this yeah, France game. Well, could, yeah, I'd like to think that was the case, mate. But it is France, so they could be right. They could be wrong. What about this shirts business? The oh, French yeah, actually yeah, picked yeah. the dark shirts for this World Cup Absolutely so painful. that when they played you, you'd have to change into something. hundred something not... years of rugby union we've played internationally. We've got some clearly defined rules about what people are wearing. All right, the marketers can just sod off as far as I'm concerned. So if you wear your silver, you won't mind? Well, we've got to wear what we've got to wear. I mean, clearly we can't play naked. <laughs> right, do you think, and you see, and you're quite confident New Zealand will win. Well, look, I tell you what, if we get in there and bite them hard on the throat in the first thirty minutes, we could keep them under wraps. But I mean, this is the only problem. I mean, we look at France like France look at Fiji, mate. It's like, ooh. 
Mm. What are they going to... Oh. You don't know what's coming, do you? Well, you know, it's you... hard to figure out. They're chooks, mate. They're what? They're chooks. Chooks, chickens. Uh, Fiji against South Africa, Sean. What's your feeling on it? Uh, I think it's be, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, that South Africa will, uh, will steamroll Fiji. As long as the scrums are allowed, you know, the dominant scrum is allowed to be rewarded, I'm sure they'll do a very professional job against Fiji. And let's be honest, I don't think Fiji have got two games in them like that on, on, on the trot. Brilliant. Listen, I know you're busy. Phones are ringing all over yeah. the place. So I'll let you go, Sean. Cheers, Thanks man. very much for uh, for your time. Thanks Good luck on Friday. Get a win, will you? Cheers, man. OK. That's Sean Edwards, who's the uh, head coach at WAS. We'll just continue our discussion uh, with our remaining guests. Jed, what's the camaraderie or otherwise like between the uh, the Kiwis and the Australian fans? Uh, it's all right if we're at war together. Otherwise? Yeah. <laughs> if it's Anzac Day, it's fine. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah, forget no it. no problem at all. It's only one day a year. <laughs> but there's never any trouble, is there? I mean, will they share a beer with an Aussie after oh, the game? Oh, yeah, or yeah. Not? Oh, there's, there's nothing like that. We're not going to poke each other in the eye. It's, there's plenty of stick going back and forth. Who do you want to win now, if England, when England play England. Australia? England. Yeah? We'll of course I do, problem. mate. What are you on about? Well, I don't know. Everyone seems to hate England. <laughs> Just ask that there's bloke over there. Yeah, there's, not much England England to do it. there's not much England have to do on this World Cup. they just got to beat bloody Aussie. That's it. <laughs> do you think what the, uh, what the Australian head coach was saying about, or one of the Australian party, about everyone hates England, will actually have any relevance on this? I think for once this week, you've, you, you've seen the very, very rare... Sp- Sight of uh, Aussies were a bit ashamed of themselves, you know. When, when you've got oh, the, your, your chief were, executive mate. coming out saying, "Now oh, everyone hating them, mate." Of course you know? they were. Oh, grow up! Well, you got to you got to remember is that uh, you know the the boss of Australian rugby, mate. He's just the biggest ego to ever land. I mean, he walked out of Australian rugby. Who are we felt, talking about here? Uh, what's his name? John O'Neill. John O'Neill. Yeah, John O'Neill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, the man who said, "Yeah, it looks like kind of got a possum on his head." Um, <laughs> and look, he walked out Aussie rugby. It fell on its face. He went to Australian football. It went up. He comes out of Australian football back to Australian rugby and says it's me or it's no one else, and they had no option but to go, well, it's you. And since he's been back on the job, mate, it's like, well, you know, and it's press release after press release after press release. The guy scratches himself. They've seen something out about it. Just some general thoughts from uh, bloggers who've uh, joined in with our discussion. As I say, you can always join in the discussion. The address is blogs, I'll remember it this time, .guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. Uh, this is from Gecko from London. Guys, I'm a passionate bock. But I have to be realistic. We can get by Fiji by starving them from the ball. But unless our pack shapes up, Argentina can beat us. Our defence against the US wasn't that great either. If we do get past Argentina, the All Blacks are not just streets ahead of us in constructive play. They are light years ahead. Is that true? Oh, it might be true. I think I like the point about Argentina because, by God, they've got some mongrel in them. Don't they just? They can go, mate. Clearly they can go. I mean, they grabbed Ireland in the weekend and threw them about and they had nothing. Mm. I think just the sheer... You know, veracity mm-hmm. of the uh, Argentinian forward pack at the moment and the mentality of the, go- of the entire team mm. is um, they go in the paddock. They don't know if they're going to win or lose. All they know is that if they dump the whole lot on the paddock, they should come out all right. Back home, have uh, New Zealand taken Argentina very seriously now as a threat? Oh, well, we've got well, it. I mean, really. last oh, we went to BA a couple of years ago and we drew with them. And it wasn't a great all-black team that went there. I think in the back of our heads, we, we're kind of confident as always, that we get over the top of them. A bit like, you know, the same mentality England talking to Tonga. It's going to be rough, but we should get over It'd be the top It'd good for rugby, though, if that was the final and they beat you. I beg your pardon? <laughs> <laughs> be good for the game. What get... have you been doing since I've not been here? Rugby's I've the winner. I've just split my trousers, mate. What have you done? <laughs> Splitting our sides. Right, um... 
we'll just finish off with just a very vague prediction as how we see it getting um, the, the the two finest. Has anyone changed their view? Paul, have you changed your view from the beginning of this tournament to now as to who will be in the yeah, final? Yeah, well, I, I thought it would be New Zealand-France final. So <laughs> ah. I'll stick with New Zealand. Right. Thank but, you. Uh, but you've got to say South Africa. I mean, they've, they've, Nothing, nothing has made you change your mind about New Zealand winning this tournament so far? No, no, no. I think, I think they're... No, they're a cut, they're a cut above. Your, your predictions, actually, I've got them here. Can you remember who you said would be in the semis? Did I do predictions for the semis? I'm afraid you did. When did I do that? I, can't I don't remember. know. You've I written so much. You've said so much. I can't, I... You know that thing you write every day? <laughs> <laughs> You've got the deputy sports editor here, and he has a brain oh, and a memory oh, no. like an elephant. So he... who did you say would be in the semi-finals? He probably filled it in for No. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you say? <laughs> he normally, yeah, he I stuck Namibia in there. For who you. did you say would no, be? Port- in, Portugal, you put in. Who did you say, Paul? I'm gonna. Look, I'm gonna be like Jeremy Paxson of this. I'm sorry, Minister, but you haven't you actually know, I, answered. I, I honestly cannot. I yes, can, you can. I can remember. Being right, I'll give you three of them: France, South Africa, and New Zealand. Who was the fourth? Wales. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Wales. No, no, no. I, I said. <laughs> oh no, I didn't. What you said. No, I didn't. <laughs> I was, I was asked for a surprise package. Just I, said, I, did, I did say well. Did you? I did say well. Okay. Yes. Uh, do, oh, actually, I must ask you, Jet. Is uh, Dan Carter going to be fit? Yeah. No, nah, that's the word. Yep. He's going to be fit. Yep. He's, He's not be ready though. Well, we, we, mate, we won't find out until he gets on the. Is park. he absolutely essential for this game? There'd be a lot of New Zealanders who think that was the case. Yeah. It's pretty clear though that. Um, uh, Nick Evans has shown some some decent. I mean, the, the good thing about Evans, mate, is that he's got this electricity in his legs. When he when he hits the button, he really can get off the mark, mm. and uh, he's not like a lot of other first fives in the world at the moment. He um, he'll actually take the option to run first. Actually, Paul, this is quite funny reading your predictions. Your your surprise quarter finalists. Do you remember who they were? Surprise quarter finalists. Yeah. Wales, England. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, 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 I was surprised too, mate. No trouble remembering that. That, that, that wasn't a bad call. Uh, who do you think would be the leading try scorer? Who did you uh, say? Oh, it was, it was, I said um, uh, the, the lucky All Black who played against both Romania and Portugal. That's correct, okay. <laughs> the leading point scorer? Carter, I imagine. You did, well I'm going to pull up on actually didn't play against Romania. Oh, wow. Which home nation will finish the group stage with the fewest points? Scotland? No, Ireland. Ireland. No, you got that right too. You got that yeah, right too. So not bad, not bad. You're uh, well, the, the, Wales, the, Wales, the Wales thing, you've got to play the loyalty card. Of course you have. I still think if they'd, if, they'd, <laughs> if they'd been against South Africa, you'd, you'd have a decent game of rugby on Sunday. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, it, was, it was the game of the World it Cup, was. so we'd like it to was. thank Wales for doing that for us, if nothing else. Unbelievable, Wales. Unbelievable, wasn't it? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Listen, thank you very much. I know we've taken up too much of all of your time. And uh, all those listening, you've got jobs to do, haven't you? Or something. Or, or rugby to watch, more importantly. Or lunch to eat. Or lunch to eat. Yes, there's a man who's living in France, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> where meals are more important than rugby. Yeah. Even during the World Cup. Bon chance. Thank you very much indeed, Paul. Cheers. Thanks very much to Ian Pryor. Thanks very much to Jed. Hope the trousers recover in time. Are they gone, mate? If you want to have a very wonderful afternoon or evening when the All Blacks are playing, Clapham Grand. In London, South London is the place to be. Jed's there, alternative um, commentary. Very, very funny. Actually, Worth I'd doing. Just, I'd just like to correct you there. Oh. We've traded up. Oh, my We're goodness. We're moving to the church. In you Vauxhall. know, Wembley? The church. We're going to the church in Vauxhall. Oh, my for goodness. The semi-fi- for the quarterfinal, oh, no. semi-final. You've final. been to the church, have you? Uh, I've only ever heard about it. Right. Mind you, decades and generations of New the Zealanders church, have been through it. All I will say is, if you are in London, the church is a legendary Antipodean drinking hole. And when I say legendary, 
there's very little in there apart from people and, and cans trousers. of beer. <laughs> there is nothing else. There are no tables. There are no. It's just a sea of beer yeah. and fun. Yeah, so, well, we're well, clearly going for the highbrow audience, okay. mate. We're going for the highbrow audience. <laughs> Got to go. We'll see you next time on the Rugby World Cup podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. You've been listening to the Rugby World Cup show. Sponsored by Magnus. Time to play. Go to magnuscider.com.